0: And we just thought it would give us more, bring us more potential international business, Canadian institutional investors, uh, European institutional investors. We're, you know, we're suing the U.S. Attorney General for considering us in violation of the Controlled Substances Act when we're in fact following all of the laws of the states in which we operate in and which the U.S. government has made a conscious decision to abide by what the state decides. For the last six quarters or so, uh, we've really made steady progress across practically all of
1: our uh, financial metrics. Hi, my name is Jason Raznick, the CEO of Benzinga, and welcome to The Raz Report. As always, before we kick things off, I want to quickly tell you about what Benzinga is. Before I started Benzinga in 2010, there were very few places to get real-time information on financial markets. I thought it was unfair that Wall Street had access to this information before the average Joe investor. So I created Benzinga to level the playing field for you, the retail investor. Benzinga is for the people and by the people. Now, let's dive into the show. Welcome to this week's edition of the Raz Report. We have Executive Chairman of Terrace Jason Wild. This guy has been regarded as one of the top minds in the cannabis space. He got in early. I think he's a Badger alumni, Wisconsin. I like that because I went to Michigan and Michigan beats down in Wisconsin. My brother-in-law went to Wisconsin. My sister went to Wisconsin. So there's some commonalities there but i you know wisconsin versus uh michigan is always a fun rivalry so that's fun but he you know you've been um you started out and built a career i think you were a pharmacist way back when and got in the cannabis space early and you know some of the smartest minds in the industry regard you as one of the smartest minds in the industry so thank you for coming on the Raz report we're going to talk cannabis we're going to talk terracen but uh um what's new with you jason wilde
0: Hey hey nice to uh, nice to see you Jay. Uh, yeah. everything's good. Everything's good. Yeah, I mean
1: I I uh TerraSend I see perf- oh, by the way I'm an investor in TerraSend in the public markets. So I don't have any like secret shares or anything like that. There's no promotion or any of that shit. I buy shares on my brokerage account and uh I'm a small investor but uh so TerraSend's numbers and maybe I'm biased seem like growing great. Like 90 million in Q3, 34% year-over-year year growth, um, and sequential growth, I think, like, over 20%. Like, what's fueling this growth, or tell us more about that?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for your support as a, as a shareholder. That means a lot, especially when you're out there uh, paying for it with, uh, you know, your after-tax uh, dollars. It's, uh, it's appreciated. Um, yeah, I think so, uh, for the last six quarters or so, uh, we've really made steady progress across Practically all of our uh, financial metrics, and just uh, positioning ourselves uh, for where we are. Where we are now, we paid down about uh, 40 or 50 percent of our debt over the last uh, uh, 16 months or so. Reduced our uh, interest expense significantly. Uh, right sized the business. Took out around 14 million dollars in operating expenses. Improved our gross margins. Uh, uh, listed on the TSX uh, in July, and also. Uh, we were able to uh, sort of swoop into Maryland uh, and get to the Ford Dispensary Max like hours before or within hours of uh, rec starting on July 1st. So that was really nice and additive uh, to, the, to the rest of our uh, business, which grew nicely as well, sort of Q2 to Q3. Uh, and what I'm most proud of there is that uh, the Maryland uh, acquisitions and oper- operationalizing them, uh, they, uh, we were really able to show the benefit of the scale of – Running, running that state out of uh, our same northeast uh, headquarters in uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, where Q2 to Q3 our expenses went down by a million dollars on an absolute basis, while our revenues went up uh, 24% sequentially, and that led to really nice uh, uh, cash flow and uh, and good uh, you know just uh, good good margins, good good. uh, I think we checked the boxes uh, on on all the right metrics uh, in the last quarter. You were cash flow positive in that quarter. Yeah, yeah, by about uh, nine and change, uh, nine and change million dollars.
1: Yeah, and and there's a lot you said there, so there's a lot to unpack. And first, yeah. I just want to start with the TSX. What does it mean yeah. to be listed on the TSX, the TSX exchange?
0: So uh, it, we just uh, felt like it would offer more volume. We thought it might uh, solve the custody issues in the U.S., where a lot of uh, the prime brokers won't, won't, were not custodying these uh, these U.S. Uh, operators. Uh, and we just thought it would give us more, bring us more potential international business, you know, Canadian institutional investors, uh, European institutional investors. Uh, and now we're about uh, four or five months post uh, uh, us listing. And our volume is up uh, significantly, although, you know, volume is up for the for the sector as well, because because uh, of the rescheduling uh, news, the news of the letter that went from the HHS to the uh, to the DEA. We, we can come back to that. Uh, that's driven more volume in the space, but our volume was up, I think, well over 100% even before that news came out, just in terms of us switching from the CSC to the bigger uh, Toronto uh, uh, Stock Exchange.
1: Okay. And this uh, podcast is the Raz Report. It's, it's pretty casual. So when I don't know something, um, I'm okay to sound dumb. You mentioned um, the prime brokers in the U.S. may not custody custody these companies. So what's that mean? So if I like buy shares on E-Trade of tariffs the prime brokers or the market makers, like a Citadel or an apex, they don't get involved with that stock. Is that what that means? I just have no, I just curious.
0: Yeah. The prime brokers typically are the, uh, that's like the central repository of uh, all trades for hedge funds, uh, mainly. So they were not allowing, It's like uh, the big firms, you know, like uh, Morgan Stanley, Stanley, you know, those uh, those firms, Uh, they've got their uh, they do all the prime services uh, for for the different funds. So they start a lot of them stopped uh, allowing uh, custody or they would not allow companies or they wouldn't allow funds to invest in primary share issuances. They would let them buy it on the open market. But sometimes they wouldn't let them uh, invest directly in it because they looked at that as like uh, helping uh, perpetuate crime or, or something like that. So the, that, that's what happened there. In terms of individual investors, some of the brokers allowed it and some of them didn't. But one of the big uh, pain points uh, that, that uh, came to the space or, or big sources of pain was when Pershing about two plus years ago, uh, who they clear – like a huge amount of the trades across the u s they're owned by Bank of New York, and they decided that they were going to uh, stop uh, custodying u uh, s cannabis shares, so that caused a lot of pain. It was that first uh, plunge you know between uh, early uh, twenty one into into twenty two uh, that exacerbated it. Uh, but all of these uh, firms, it looks like at this point it looks like these firms are uh, allowing custody of Terrasand. we haven't heard we, we saw several in the first few days after we listed, we saw that, uh, several of them sent out notices saying that, uh, you know, they removed Terracent from their blocked, uh, security list pursuant to their MRB or marijuana related business, uh, policy. Uh, yeah.
1: The TS, the
0: TSX version of it. Yes.
1: Okay. What about Pershing?
0: Yeah. Everybody, everybody's, everybody's custody in that.
1: Okay. And, and, um, well, because here's an analogy I was going to go with, you know, like so Bitcoin has taken off a bit, you know, as they're talking about the ETFs could become legal and just in general, Bitcoin has taken off. I had Kath, I had Kathy Wood on from ARK Invest about three months ago when Bitcoin was like at 18 or 19K and now it's like at 43 and everything she said is what happened. It's, it's literally like almost like seeing a psychic on our show. And it's wow. crazy. Uh, it was, it was crazy. I actually bought shares after she was on our show. Um, I won't buy like a head. I bought like the week after and yeah. wish I bought more it was up 60, percent But what I was going to say to you is, so with the ETFs become potentially, you know, Bitcoin becoming legal, what I'm getting at is for the cannabis space, if you know, these other firms, you know, providing custody, provide more liquidity to the market, as long as like or i guess i'll even bring this analogy into it royal caribbean carnival cruise line norwegian i bought those stocks a long time ago like a year and a half ago like when it was out of covid the stocks didn't move forever okay they did not move they sat there i bought like royal caribbean carnival i ended up not making money on them meaning i sold them because like i'm like why aren't these moving they're like uh, people are booking Now now they've gone crazy like in the last three months they've gone up uh, like if i would have kept them i would have made 300 200 whatever yeah. the percentages yeah You're
0: and too early you were early. i was too
1: early and i should just i should have stayed with it and play, let my thesis play out well i kind of have this little bit thesis in the cannabis space and you can tell me if i'm wrong so yeah. can, cannabis stocks you know have not like have not performed the way investors would want there they've you been know. horrible they've, yeah. they've, they've, they've been horrible so the question i have is 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 the market eventually going to come and find them if we can if the companies can perform? i mean we'll get to the rescheduling to 8 we'll get to the taxes and stuff like that. but do you think this is like one of these royal Caribbean and carnival cruise line moments where it's just it's time so to speak yeah, it's
0: just a matter of time, you mean it's yeah like yeah the cause the like, to, to discover
1: down. them like the Royal Caribbean yeah. Carnival people just i, I didn 't understand why they weren't buying the stocks. It made no sense to me and with your number, I get it if the, if the company's not performing. So you had $9 million of cash flow. Your yeah. revenue grew um, by 30, 34% year over year. Now, we'll get yeah. into what Terrasen does and why you think it'll grow, et cetera. But what I'm saying to you is eventually valuations get really cheap and you have cash yeah. flow and you could buy you know earnings for five times earnings or, you know, instead of paying 70 times earnings for uh, NVIDIA. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. Sorry for the long
1: ass question to get to the freaking <laughs> no, no,
0: no, I get it. I it's a it's a, it's perfect. It's perfect. I think uh I think the thing is that uh the issue is the taxes. Like that's what's uh, over the last couple of years, investors have focused on the fact that, you know, after taxes, a lot of these companies that claim that they're EBITDA positive are actually, you know, uh not uh not cash flow positive, uh largely because of the taxes and because of the interest. So we did the best we could in terms of, like, that's why we paid down our our debt a lot. But, like, overall, these companies are not driving uh, significant cash flow where it would make sense for them to buy back their own stock. Uh, The potential rescheduling, which I think there's, you know, better than a 50% chance that it happens over the next 12 months, and that would uh, or should get rid of the the onerous uh, tax treatment, then – you know, uh, you know, if our stock was still where, where it is and, and we were, had an extra 50, $55 million in, in flow or in, uh, you know, uh, non-incurred taxes. Like I would, I would definitely think that it would be a good investment to take four or $5 million a quarter and buy back stock for as long as the market was not, uh, was not recognizing it. Uh, but right now I think that, uh, what I would tell you is a huge positive is that all the targets, when we're looking to buy things like what we just bought in Maryland, the targets are so realistic in terms of their expectations that even at our depressed price, the uh, acquisitions pencil out very, very accretively. Got it. Especially, yeah.
1: Well, but no. But, and so buying back stocks, one thing. And what you're saying is you'd rather take the free cash or to pay down debt because debt – you could have interest rates of 15 20% on that.
0: Well, yeah, you would think interest rates are going to go down anyway for cannabis operators if the taxes go away because there'll be such better uh, credits. They'll have so much better cash flow. I mean, these companies will actually have, you know, P.E. ratios because they'll be, you know, be able to report actual, uh, you know, uh, after-tax earnings.
1: So, so Jay, J- Jason, just so if the average listener is listening to the RAS report and we're yeah. with Terracent Executive Chairman Jason Wild. The rescheduling, what does that mean? Just explain it. If like, you did $1,000 or a million dollars in sales, what does the rescheduling mean? Just like, compare yourself yeah. to another re- retailer like, um, I don't know, Walgreens or something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what happens is that cannabis companies can't deduct their operating expenses, their SGNA line. So, if a company has, they pay, they pay taxes essentially on their gross profits. So last quarter was awesome for us. We we were able to get to 53.6% gross margins, which meant that on, you know, roughly $90 million in sales, multiply that by 0.53, that we paid 21% tax on that gross profit. You know, normally companies get to deduct all of their other expenses. So it it came out to.
1: Hold on. Do you get to deduct like the salaries and stuff?
0: No, nothing related to the operations of the business, other than the part that goes into the cost of goods.
1: Hold on, hold on. Gross profit is that another way of saying revenue?
0: Re- no, revenue. Your gross prog- Your gross margin. So, if your gross margin or gross margin after your cost of, of
1: after your cost of goods sold.
0: Great. Well, you got, you got your gross margin first. Say you had fifty percent gross margin on ninety million. That's forty five million dollars in gross gross profit. Then. Where tag Usually companies can uh, below that. They can deduct all of their operating expenses, which are running their businesses. Yeah, you know, everything. Salaries. Uh, rent, business, you, can't rent. Wow. you can't deduct that. You can't deduct that. Why? Because the federal government says, hey, you know, you owe us. Uh, you owe your taxes, but your business is illegitimate. So we're, uh, you know, denying your deductions.
1: But, the, but if they're saying that your business is illegitimate, illegitimate they would just close up the businesses. Like, like if, if, if there's a, um, um, a, what's it called? A prostitution place, okay? They would close up the place, okay? They would close up the place, right? That's what the government would do. I'm just saying. They're, so they're saying it's illegitimate. But it's, so instead of closing up, they're just saying, we're just going to screw you on taxes.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's why we hired David Boyce, and we're, got, we're trying to go to the Supreme Court. We're, you know, we're suing the U.S. Attorney General for considering us in violation of the Controlled Substances Act, when we're in fact following all of the laws of the states in which we operate in, and which the U.S. government has made a conscious decision to abide by, what the state decides.
1: So you're paying taxes on profit, and it's not even real profit at some respect because you're profit. paying. You're, yeah, you're right. paying on Aaron Thomas is one of, our, one of our producers here. You're paying the tax before you pay Aaron Thomas, and so you yes. that yeah that I mean that's very unfair. I know, but like is is there an is there an analogy and historic example of where they did this exact same rule like for another
0: industry i yeah i think uh i think they did it i i've I've been told that they used this to go after like al Capone and they used it to go after certainly like other like cocaine dealers over the last uh uh over the last uh, twenty you know thirty forty years
1: if that changed, that would change your tax structure. you'd have a lot more free cash flow. To, and even if it changed 50%, you would have a lot more free cash flow. And that's like even footing with, yeah, okay, got it. So,
0: yeah. So that would be huge. But, you know, the stocks continue to, uh, the stocks continue to act weakly, you know, uh, pretty weak. Uh, and people sort of don't believe it. And, you know, I think it's a better than a 50% chance. I mean, I, be, but, you know. But I think,
1: but part of the argument should be that the prices of cannabis would go, would, would, would uh, go down a little bit for customers, right? It would be a net oh, benefit yeah. for customers too, right?
0: Yeah, a benefit for, for everybody. Uh, but, you know, and, and the smaller cannabis businesses, the ones that where they only have retail and, don't, and aren't vertically integrated, they get hurt the most by the way the tax treatment works on, on this whole thing. Like it's almost, if you just have retail, it's like a, almost impossible to have free cash flow after taxes. So
1: if you just have retail and you're buying from other vendors to supply your store, why is that much more difficult? I think that'd be easier because you'd have less employees.
0: Because uh, because part of the, if you're producing the product, you are allowed to deduct your, like your what what it costs you to uh, you know make it. You're able to put more of the expenses around your cultivation and manufacturing are part of the uh, gross uh, you know the deduction against gross profits. Because it's okay, it's that's interesting. I that believe they allowed... that's why.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So, do you guys are you guys vertically integrated?
0: Yeah, we're vertically integrated uh, everywhere in every state we are.
1: Okay. So Tara said you guys have been making acquisitions. Maryland has been amazing. We're going to get to that one in a second. In Michigan, where we're based out of, um, you bought a company, Gage. I don't know if you bought other ones. How do you guys see Michigan? Is that still um, part of your strategy? Is it too saturated here? Um, What's your story in Michigan?
0: Yeah, Michigan is pretty saturated. It is, you know, what we would call, uh, you know, an adult swim only, you know, state in terms of operating in. But, you know, th- I think that makes you a better operator uh, because you have to be good. Michigan is uh, very close to the cannabis culture. Uh, our gauge uh, brands, uh, you know, have done very well in our other states like New Jersey. You know, se- several of the of the top uh, SKUs in the state are, are gauge uh, our gauge uh, branded uh, SKUs, uh, and we view Michigan as a place where we have to win because we we feel like overall investors aren't going to give us credit for the places where we're like you know crushing it because uh, you know the level of competition is not as strong as as it is in Michigan. But the, I f- we always felt like they wouldn't give us credit or a multiple on on that because they would say it's all going to turn into what Michigan uh, what Michigan is. So we uh, have to show that we can make money in Michigan to sort of uh, unlock you know, uh, every, you know, everything, everything else in my view. And in Michigan, we made huge improvements uh, in terms of gross margin and profitability. When we closed on Michigan, which was like seven months after we signed the deal, that was like the peak of pain in Michigan, like uh, first, half of, uh, first half of last year. Uh, and I think about a year ago, we had – somewhere like a 20% gross margin. It was, you know, very, our gross margin is very weak, very almost impossible to really make any money if you have a 20% gross margin. Uh, and now uh, we've, uh, we're, we're like uh, in the low 40s. So uh, low 40 gross margin. In the, and the awesome thing about Michigan, which is better than states like Maryland and, uh, and New Jersey, is uh, if you have your model right and you're making money, then you can go out and own 150, 200 dispensaries if the if the economics worked, because there's no limits in uh, in Michigan. And it's a very fragmented market. So and that's you could be in the low 40s as opposed to our other states where we're more like in the low 50s. You can be in the low 40s because your other those other operating expenses uh, are going to be so much lower if they're spread out across 100 stores instead of the max, you know, four stores in Maryland and, you know, three stores in uh, in New Jersey.
1: If someone's listening and yeah. they don't know Terrason, again, we're with Jason Wild, executive chairman of Terrason.
0: Yeah, we are, uh, I, what I usually say is we're uh, a vertically integrated uh, uh, operator. I mean, we have retail, uh, we have cultivation uh, all the way through uh, retail uh, in five states. Uh, we are more uh, uh, more of a narrow, uh, we, we say we're, we, we've always said we're deep, not wide in terms of our footprint is smaller. We've always sort of uh, kept it, made it a very hard, high bar to clear in order to, for us to add another uh, another state. Uh, and we always, and we always felt like uh, we that would make it so that our we could have more of a focus in the places we operated with our attention and with our uh, you know capex dollars. So that's that's what we've done uh, in New Jersey, which is uh, uh, our best market. Uh, it where uh,
1: number two largest operator in New Jersey and closing in on number one is that.
0: Yeah. We're very, uh, it's very close. It's like, uh, from, it was like a hundred thousand dollar difference, I think, uh, the last month or the, or the month before. So, you know, they're at like 18.9 and we're at 18.8. Who's who's they?
1: Uh, it's Verano. Verano. How did you guys do that? How'd you guys do so well?
0: We just focused. Yeah. We just focused. We knew we didn't have endless dollars to spend, you know, for CapEx to build our facilities. And we, we felt like New Jersey was going to be a, uh, at the time, it was a medical, uh, when we applied, it was uh, only a medical market, but we felt like it was going to be one of the states to fall in terms of going uh, going wreck. And we wanted to, we used to talk about a lot of, that you have to, uh, we wanted to go big early to be like one of the top uh, operators and top capacity, you know, operators from a cultivation perspective uh, in in any of these like uh, states, which were very immature, but were about to. Uh, undergo uh, a large expansion in, you know in their size. So that's what we did in PA. That's PA hasn't gone wreck yet. Uh, hopefully in the next uh, year or so. But New Jersey's worked out awesome. And uh, and we just focused on uh, uh, on the brands, uh, which which uh, I needed to come back to in terms of how, how I would describe us. Uh, we are we have the top brands and we are considered amongst the, uh, the highest quality uh, in uh, in most of the states in which we operate are. Uh, even in, even in New Jersey, we're not – I don't believe we're number two from a unit perspective, but we are from a dollar perspective because we occupy uh, the higher end of the priced uh, SKUs on, on flour, uh, and, uh, and we, command, you know, we command better pricing than, uh, than pretty much uh, you know, most of the rest of the industry. What
1: there. brands do you have in Jersey?
0: So we've got there uh, uh, the Gage brand, which, as I mentioned, has done very, very well there. Uh, we have uh, Cookies. Uh, in uh, in New Jersey, we cultivate and manufacture uh, all the cookies, branded product uh, in New Jersey. We have uh, our original brand, uh, Kindtree, which uh, has done very well in New Jersey and is also amongst the top uh, top rated uh, or the top uh, listed uh, SKUs. We're uh, I believe we're currently number one in flour in the state uh, and number one in um, extracts and uh, all concentrates. So uh, and those are the Kindtree, uh, the cookies, and the uh, and the Gauge brands. The other thing is we did now uh come out with a uh a more value uh focused uh brand called legend uh and that has done very well We sell it in larger packaging uh the the margins uh are the same because there's uh less labor around uh, around the packaging i think they're sold uh, in ounces uh only um and uh we uh we 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 really have a good uh a good broad uh base of brands uh Another partner brand that we uh that we have is Juana, uh, uh and we have an exclusive with them in Maryland, um, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. That's what that's part of what's uh gonna help drive us, uh, we believe the number one is the Wana launch, because uh we have our own Valhalla brand, which uh which is done very well, but we found that Wana has not cannibalized it and uh and it's just uh especially in Maryland, we were our cultivation facility is brand new. We weren't in that many uh, stores, uh, you know, we, n- not the same way that we are in New Jersey. But Wana is is a great uh, sort of Trojan horse because uh, that's wanted by practically uh, every store in Maryland and has, has gotten us into uh, most of them by this point.
1: Rob, wow, that's awesome. Um, that's So I didn't know Wana. I mean, that's so you have the exclusive. Um, fellow... Yeah. A mutual friend, but fellow uh, noted cannabis investor, Todd Harrison is a big fan of TerraSend too. Um Todd follows all these companies. Why do you think Todd is a big fan of what you guys are doing?
0: Well, I see a fan of what, what we're doing, because we've, I think over the last uh, you know, uh, six quarters or so, we've uh, done what we've said that we're going to do. And we've pulled off a lot of stuff that people didn't really uh, uh, believe us, especially even the TSX uh, listing. Uh, now other companies are uh, are listing. Um, the, another another uh, MSO just listed uh, just listed last week, um, and and uh, we're happy because I think that the, the the more companies that move over to the TSX, uh, the better for the overall industry, and it's just another step towards getting onto the uh, onto the Nasdaq at some point. But uh, I think that Todd has just seen what we've laid out, what we've done, the improvements that we've made. I mean, this is a this is a really hard uh, business uh, and especially uh, you know there 's a lot of characters in this industry uh, in terms of you know like uh, especially the legacy uh, people and you got to uh, I think in order to not lose touch with with the cannabis culture, you have to have some good uh, sort of harmony between the og people and uh, and the suits so to speak uh, and I think that uh, I think the Todd has seen that we've been 've been able to do we've been able to navigate that and it 's really been driven largely by uh uh in terms of talking about the brands it's really in, in cannabis I think it's like almost less about the brand and more about quality and if your product is especially on the flower side if it's the best product uh that's on the market then it could be in a, you know an old school uh, Ziploc bag with no brand on it at all and people you know people would want to buy it and uh and uh i think uh you know i'm glad uh, Todd has noticed that as well over the years and uh and he's been a you know he's been a great supporter but uh, you know but we're still uh the stock price is still here you know uh like uh like nothing is ever like nothing's gotten better it's it's a little uh it's been a little uh you know uh, crazy yeah. yeah so
1: so if you want to look up terraet on Benzinga, you can look it up guys it it's spelled t e r r ASCEND. Okay, so um if that's you want to look it up if you don't know it. But you, I mean you have a lot of your money like you have a lot of money on the line here. You you're a big shareholder of TerraSend. Like I, the number of shares I it was kind of mind-boggling how much you have in TerraSend. Um yeah. right? I mean you're
0: Yeah, and I bought them all. Yeah, I paid I paid for them all. Sure. So uh yeah, we have uh I don't know somewhere in the 90-ish million shares uh of TerraSend uh and you know, I've uh, I've continued to uh, to buy stock here and there. You know, every time we have a, an open window, uh, because uh, I think that the I think this stock uh, has to be worth more three years from now or five years from now, uh, and hopefully sooner uh, from from where it is today. I just know that uh, the underlying business, like the first day after we made the big investment, we co invested in TerraZen in seventeen with Canopy Growth. I remember the first day I went and met with the the fifteen person staff. And I gave them the Warren Buffett quote about, you know, short term, the market is a voting machine and long term, it's a weighing machine. And the only way any of us are going to get paid is if we build something for the weighing machine and we've got to build a real business. And at this point, I never would have imagined uh, or I definitely didn't think that we were going to be doing $90 million or just under $90 million in revenue in the quarter with 53% gross margins and uh, 27% EBITDA margins and positive cash flow. So like uh, that has the weighing machine part is really, you know, has been playing out. It hasn't been a straight line for sure. Um, but uh, it, that's been playing out, you know, uh, pretty well over the last five or six years. The stock price is like, uh, well, you know, it's just uh, there. I've never seen such a, 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 a sector where it just went down 90 percent, you know, like uh, in practically a straight line. Everybody is very. Uh, uh, you know, has been burned, uh, and there is a high level. I forgot what the whole. There's a whole thing, a cycle or a circle of grief, and uh, you know. I think now we're in like the, maybe the extreme, like apathy uh, stage, where we could be. You know, for the last six quarters or so, we've been putting up. You know, uh, I think some uh, impressive uh, uh, quarters and just uh, good strategic moves, and the stock is still. You know, uh, uh, you know, much closer to the lows than uh, than anything else, and. I think that uh, at some point it's going, it's uh, like the, the truth always happens. I used to have that on my wall in my old office. Like at some point it's back to what you were asking earlier. Like we will be able to buy back, it'll be cheaper to buy back our own stock than it, is, than it would be to go out and buy some other, you know, uh, you know state level uh, assets uh, to bring into the, into the business. Uh, if, if by chance those taxes go away, uh then that will make uh these stocks uh you know all
1: do you hope to replicate the maryland strategy in other states
0: yeah absolutely absolutely there's several states that should be going wreck over the next few years figure uh florida which has a huge population um ohio um is uh right ohio's right next to michigan so the same way you know we
1: so how it just got approved for rec right so are you got so are you guys in that like are you guys working on that
0: we're we're looking. It's not from what we understand, the program's not going to be rolled out, um, you know, very soon, probably, you know, probably at least nine months, I would think. So um, we are looking at several. There's, there's several opportunities out there to enter Ohio and we can run Ohio and Michigan uh, out of Michigan the same way we run Maryland out of, you know, and and Jersey out of Pennsylvania, which would be able to, you know, help uh, drive. Uh, much better profitability. And Ohio is going to be a huge state. I mean, they got, a, there's a lot of people that live in Ohio. Well,
1: that's, what I was going to ask you, you have a pretty big company. So like you, you Jersey, so you run it out of Pennsylvania. Like how do like, is there like a managing director of like the Jersey region? Like how do you, you know, control? Yes.
0: Yeah. We, uh, and when I say it's run out of Pennsylvania, that's where all like finance is run out of. And, uh, you know, um, where a lot of the, uh, people that are, that are sort of, uh, the more senior people for the Northeast, they operate out of, you know, marketing people also, but then you have, uh, you know, we have a huge facility. We have 150,000 square foot, uh, cultivation manufacturing facility, and there are, uh, a lot of people that, uh, operate out of there and we have retail out of there, but we, the way we have it is we have, a uh, GM or, uh, or I think, uh, they're a VP of, uh, it's the Northeast, and then we uh, we have Michigan, uh, and then we have uh, uh, you know California. Um, so several of the people are uh, sort of in charge of uh, or are working on all of the Northeast, and then we have a head of uh, a head of New Jersey and a head of Jersey cultivation, um, you know, and uh, retail is uh, run out of, is run regionally.
1: Okay. Just a couple quick, sorry.
0: Sorry. If that was a meandering answer. No, that was, no, that's, it's good. I, I wanted to know how you're running all that stuff. It's hard. That stuff's hard by the way. Like that's the stuff that all of these companies, all of the MSOs, like they're doing this stuff all for the first time. A lot of them are trying to integrate, you know, and they have 15 different States, which is like having 15 different countries. Um, but that stuff is hard. Like figuring out the org chart, like I spent a lot of time, you know, and we we all spent a lot of time talking about that like a little over 2 years ago. I think we got it right now. Part of it is just having a good CEO. Uh but but Are you are you all happy like, at, are uh, you happy with your CEO? He's yeah, he's awesome. He's really good. Yeah.
1: I know you've been through like a couple in the past or you know.
0: I was like uh yeah, I was like almost seen as the guy that nobody, you know, could uh work with or or make happy or something like that, but uh CEO has been great. He's been here since uh He's been here for just under two years.
1: Got it. Got it. Um, wait. So, that, so that's how, yeah, that running those things, like you have a lot of revenue coming in. You got to record it, figure it out and scale. I mean, that's okay. So here's it's like hard. some, here's like some fun questions. Yeah. Um, all right. How many unread text messages do you have? <laughs> Did you have the phone? It's got to be know?
0: thousands. Is it thousands? No, I don't know. I can look on my, like, oh, I'm on my phone. I'm, I'm doing this, uh, oh, okay. this podcast over my phone. I can look. It's but probably, it's... Uh, I'm guessing it's probably like 250.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, so you, a lot of maybe group threads or people you didn't I get I have back a lot.
0: No, I think what I do a lot is like I look at it at the time it comes in. I'm in the middle of doing something else. It's completely like entered my mind I, and exited. I, and but, so it doesn't show up as unread anymore, but it's like practically unread
1: i'm i'm there with you i'm there with you okay um what is the this one you might not have an answer for right now what is the best piece of advice you've ever received
0: Ooh, best piece of advice i've ever received uh is um you know to to uh or it was just one word uh patience like uh it doesn't matter if you think that you could accomplish uh something or build something uh that it's not a matter of whether you can do it or whether you can't do it. It's just a matter, of, sort of, of how long it takes you to be able to do it. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't, I. To me, I don't care in terms of as it relates to Terra Center or, or the fund. Like, like I don't, I, I plan on doing this for the next ten years or twenty years or thirty years. So I'm not. I I'm. I tend to. I think. Uh, Uh, I applied this in terms of that I'll never like take a quick buck versus, you know, uh, making $3 uh, two years from now or three years from now. Uh, And I think that's patience. I just feel like a lot of, uh, at least as I've seen it as I've grown up uh, and gotten older is, uh, you know, generally it's uh, more when people are younger, they think that they need to like accomplish whatever they want to accomplish in like, you know, in like six months. And And it could take six years. Uh, which they would have, I don't know, somehow might've been de- gotten discouraged along the way, but it could take six years and be incredibly uh, uh, successful.
1: Okay. Three more quick questions with executive chairman of TerrorSend, Jason Wild. When, what do you do when you feel stressed or discouraged or uh, anxious?
0: Yes. What do I do?
1: I uh, Stress, discouraged, or anxious?
0: No, I do. I, I try to, I, I try, like I take on a lot of stuff And usually I I don't get anxious where as most of at least my other family members and friends would. So uh, I do keep like, you know, a lot of balls in the air. The way that I deal with anxiety is often I realize that it's because I'm tired because when I'm more tired, then I I start worrying more about stuff and I just have more anxiety. Uh, And and if they uh, and if that's the case, which is usually the case, then I try to take a uh, I'll tell my wife that I'm meditating because she does uh, TM, you know, where she meditates twice a, twice a day for 20 minutes. I'll tell her I'm meditating, but it's usually 90% uh, taking a quick nap, and then I usually feel better.
1: Got it. Okay, and what was the most difficult challenge in your life? You don't want to share. You don't have to, Jay wild mm Mm-mm-mm. I didn't even get to, like, how you were an entrepreneur when you were younger. I didn't get to any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, I would say – um. 08, 09 in terms of my fund going from, you know, yeah, peaking over 50 million in AUM, we're up like 50% the prior year. And then we're down like, I don't know, 38, 40% the following year. And between that and redemptions, and uh, we got down to, I think, like 11 million from 50 to 11 in like January of the, of the following year. And at the time, uh, I felt I had never experienced anything like that. And I felt like uh, the world, I would get on the train in Metro uh, Metro North, like leaving the city to go to Westchester. And there were like people that must've worked for Bear Stearns and Lehman and like the fear I saw in, in their faces. Uh, but uh, I was, uh, that, was a, that was a pretty traumatic time. Paul Vol- Volker called me into his office. He's like six foot nine. You know, he was the predecessor to Greenspan for people that don't, don't know. And he pretty much told me what an idiot I was for not listening to him when he told me in January of 08 that everything was going to go to shit.
1: How'd you know him?
0: He, he was an investor in my fund. One of my other investors uh, referred him. Uh, and he was up a bunch of money. Uh, but he, he's one of the guys that I lost. We had pretty much the peak of our redemptions was December 31st of 08. The market didn't bottom until like mid March of '09, but we were already up on the year by that point. But I lost a lot of uh, uh, I lost a lot of good investors at the at the bottom.
1: That fund back back then invested in just
0: re- uh, everything, or was it biotech or pharma? Mostly pharma. It was a lot of specialty pharma, but we did a lot of consumer stuff as well. And or 08, 08, 08, 09, I got whipped around. There were like different, It's similar to what's happened over the last few years. But there were different like uh, all the oil and commodity names. They all ran as as all my stuff imploded in January of 08. Those all peaked in like August of 08. Uh, And I sort of like cycled. I I sort of experienced a bear market like a couple of times in in sequence because I was like a momentum investor and I was buying relative strength. And all it meant was that that group had not yet been pummeled. Uh, you know, so so I we took a lot of pain in 08, but we made 09, We were up like 80 percent or something like that. Like we made we made all the money back by November. But it feels a lot worse to be down and you know and just grasping at what to do. You know because uh, you know losing money every day uh, doesn't uh, doesn't you know exactly instill uh, a ton of uh, self confidence. And back then I had you know less experience. The phone was only was open for less than or right around 10 years. Uh, and it felt uh, uh, it felt devastating. And like a lot of the uh, a, uh, a lot of conversations with investors that were not that were not fun. I mean, I've dealt with a lot of that in this last round as well. But I feel like I I feel like I have a little bit more uh, maturity and I don't get I don't get worked up by stuff that investors say. And, you know, and I realize that most of it is like their own fear.
1: Paul Volcker, though, that would have been, a you know, he's. Uh good guy yeah. to know i guess that would uh but that this this section should be like how i survived the financial crisis of 08 you know that's
0: what, yeah 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 right, exactly <laughs> all right exactly. i
1: think we've asked most of everything i mean Terrasend, it's growing you guys should watch it i mean the numbers like i said 90 million in q3 those are serious numbers with profitability cash flow um yes. i am an investor but um it's yeah, t-e-r-r-a-s-c-e-n-d we have the executive chairman jason wilde who's been in the space. It's not a Johnny come lately. It's a guy who's been in the space for a long time and knows how these companies work and wants some cash flow positive. His money is where his mouth is. He owns a lot of the shares um, and recently bought some more shares as Benzinga covered. And uh, you get to see him at our events. He comes to the events. Uh, He has good investors behind him. And uh, I think Tara sends one to watch. Jason, did I miss anything? Did I get everything? I think you covered it. All right. Sorry for keeping you so long. We went to four, I think, 42 minutes. Usually I could have gone longer. Yeah, I could have gone longer. You could have gone longer. We could have done Joe Rogan type interview, Aaron Thomas. Aaron yeah, Thomas, he limits me to 45 minutes max and he cuts me out. All right. Thank you, Jason Wilde, Terracent Executive Chairman, coming on the RAz Report. Thank you.